and, and they're all things that have happened in the past. And so if you want to learn about some of the things that you're going to face in the, uh, in the future, I just start reading some history. And that'll tell you, they'll tell you a lot of what, you know, we're going to face as churches in the future, what, what the countries are going to face. Uh, it's all just a big rotating cycle. I don't know if you can, if you can follow that. But we can learn a lot, and you can avoid yourself a lot of trouble by, by realizing a lot of these things have happened in the past, and we're also going to face them again in the future. Consider that as we go through the things that we're going to talk about <clears throat> here. But I want to talk about the book of Ezra. Before we do that, I'd like for us to consider... The early church, there's these cycles. As, we, as, as we're going to go through the book of Ezra here and talk about some of the things that Ezra faced, consider with me that when the early church started at Pentecost, there in Jerusalem, when all that started, and the Spirit of God came down and the church was established, some three, 5,000 people were converted, uh, and, and there was a move forward God's spirit was there, the church was formed, and there was a move forward. <clears throat> that spread out across all Israel, across Asia, uh, Ethiopia, many of those surrounding countries. It spread out. And then in a matter of 50 or so, yeah, around 50 years, there is a high percentage of those same churches that were started 50 years before we're at a very bad place spiritually. A very bad place spiritually. In fact, if you read the seven letters in Revelation, five out of seven had apostatized. Five out of seven had apostatized. Okay? Now, throughout history, that cycle has continued to rotate. You follow what I'm saying? That cycle has continued to rotate where there was revival, people coming out, out of dead formalistic churches, liberal, loose, ungodliness, and have come to a wholehearted commitment to Jesus Christ, just like it was in the early church. And the goal was to be godly. And, and so there's another generation that would rise up, okay, Many of you are maybe second-generation Christians, <clears throat> and you would rise up. There's another generation. Second and a third generation would rise up, and they missed. They, don't, they didn't know all the facts that happened with the first generation, and so they, somehow they lost it and, and veered either to the right in, in all kinds of, of formalistic, dead formalism that hadn't that doesn't have any life, or they veered to the left where there's liberalism and looseness and just uh, all kinds of ungodliness. And there's ungodliness on both sides. <clears throat> and so throughout history, there was a coming out from among them. That is church history. If you look at church history, there will always be that. It's always been that way. There's this rotating cycle, and it keeps rotating. So expect that in your lifetime. Is that right? <clears throat> uh, he was drowsy. Uh, I'd like for us to just consider uh, the, uh, the children of Israel. Uh, the children of Israel, uh, in the days of the prophets, there was, a, um, there was a real, there was Eli the prophet, and then Eli's sons were very ungodly. There was Samuel the prophet. And then there was uh, King Saul, and, and you know the story of Saul, and there's uh, King David and Solomon, and, you know, and there was a continuing move. Some of those kings and some of those prophets were godly, and then some were uh, moved away into ungodliness. And the prophets would continue to prophesy, and they would tell the people, they would say, if you obey the, the law... 
And if you obey my word and my commandment, then you're going to be blessed. But if you turn away from it, I'm going to send other countries and they're going to come in and they're going to carry you away captive. And, and they would prophesy. Well, guess what happened? <clears throat> After King David, there's Rehoboam and Jeroboam and then, you know, you know, a couple more kings, actually a number of more kings. And, and it, uh, there was a godly king, then there was an ungodly king. And then Israel came to a place where there was horrible idolatry. The people were into all kinds of idolatry. And King Nebuchadnezzar came and he, and he uh, came to Jerusalem. There was a big siege and he carried the people away captive to Babylon. And Babylon is where Daniel was. If you read the book of Daniel, that's where Daniel was. When you read the book of Daniel, that's what happened. They had been carried away captive. And Nebuchadnezzar put another king in <clears throat> to watch out. And he was supposed to be under him, under King Nebuchadnezzar, which he was far off in Babylon. The second king, the second king that came around, <clears throat> or, or that was there, was King Zedekiah. Actually, today, if you go to Jerusalem, there's Zedekiah's cave. There's a cave that they believe that, uh, that he dug while uh, while they were there. Um, but Zedekiah, after nine years of ruling under Nebuchadnezzar, um, he rebelled against, Nebuchadnezzar, or against King Nebuchadnezzar. And they came again, and this time they totally wiped out Jerusalem. They tore down all the walls. <clears throat> they tore down the temple. They tore down the houses. And they totally demolished everything. And the prophets had prophesied that if this happens, <clears throat> they're going to be in exile over in Babylon for 70 years. And so for 70 years, these Israelites, most of them were over in Babylon. And there was a small portion that were still in Israel just to maintain the lands to make so it didn't get out of hand. But most of them were in Babylon. And so that is the setting that Ezra is in. And tomorrow we're going to talk about Nehemiah. <clears throat> but that's the setting that Ezra is in when the things happen that we're going to talk about today. And Ezra is one of those men that sort of paved the way for them to come back to Jerusalem. It's amazing. The things that God says, that will happen. <laughs> it will happen. If the Bible says something, let me tell you, that's how it's going to be. Uh, we were in Israel here uh, uh, just over a year ago. We were in Israel. There was, uh, there was a number of us from church who, who went over as fathers and, and our boys. And, and when we were there, <clears throat> there is this one city. Uh, there's this one city, and they had rebelled and rebelled, and I forget, I can't say which prophet it was, but because they, had, they were not obedient, they had set up idols. Uh, Brandon, can you tell me what the name of that city was? Um, with the lizards, uh, Hazor. Hazor was the head of the nations when the children of Israel came into the promised land. And what happened is uh, Jeremiah prophesied and he said, if you don't repent, this Hazor, it's going to be destroyed and it's never going to be rebuilt. Never, ever. No one will ever live in this place. <clears throat> Some years later, they came in and destroyed it. And from, from that place until today, no one has ever lived there. It's never been rebuilt. Most of the other cities there have been rebuilt. But this, this specific city, uh, 
it says in the, uh, Jeremiah says that it's going to be a place of lizards, or actually calls it dragons, which are lizards. It's going to be a place of lizards, dragons, and no one will ever live there again, and no one has to this day. Okay? What the Bible says, that it will happen. It's true. It'll say, uh, oh, what God says, that will come to pass. <clears throat> Anyhow, moving on forward here, Ezra was at this place where at the end of 70 years, Ezra was at the place where God was ready to have uh, the children of Israel sent back into Israel and the house of God to be rebuilt. And so in the middle of all this, he was looking for men, men who would bring restoration Men who would teach the law. Men who were, who were faithful men. He was looking for men like that. <clears throat> and Ezra was a key instrument when the people went back and started rebuilding the temple. Ezra was a key instrument in rebuilding the temple, in establishing uh, and bringing the people back to obedience to the word of God. Ezra was a key instrument uh, in the middle of all that. <clears throat> that was Ezra. Ezra was in Babylon not because of his own sins, but Ezra was in Babylon because of the sins of his fathers. Now, Ezra was a godly man. But he was in Babylon because not only, or not his family, but the people of Israel had been disobedient, and therefore he was in Babylon with all the other people. Ezra was, was with the king. Ezra was a high up among the people of Babylon, among the, uh, with the king. He was in very close quarters with the king. He knew the king very well. <clears throat> Ezra is accredited. Today, many, many people look at Ezra as being one of the main figures that brought the transformation of people living in ungodliness, in, adult, in, in idolatry, in adultery, in heathenism, to bringing them back to God. Ezra is one of the main figures accredited to making that happen. It's Ezra. <clears throat> it's also accredited to Ezra as him being the, being the one who started the whole teaching in the synagogues every Sabbath day. If you look at the history prior to that, uh, there was a commandment that said, keep the Sabbath day holy. On the heels of all that, Every Sabbath day they would gather like we do on a Sunday morning. We gather and we, we teach and we preach and we sing and all those kind of things. Prior to Ezra, they didn't have a service. But Ezra is the one who established many of those systematic things and brought people back to God in obedience to his word. Ezra was one of the main figures in bringing all that about. <clears throat> now consider with me when God, in this whole setting, when God was looking to bring a reformation and a change to the people of God and have them sent back to Israel, uh, all the temple worship, having the temple rebuilt, having the walls rebuilt, he was looking for a man. Now, just consider, he had thousands of men. He had thousands of men to look out. Can you just imagine God? He was looking. <clears throat> and he was looking. And he was looking for a man. And he was looking for a man who would do and bring about 
the teaching, the reformation, the change. And then it says that his hand was upon him. He went and he put his hand upon him. I don't know you, brother. (laughs) He put his hand upon him. Now, I would like to be that kind of a man, wouldn't you? Right? I would, be, I would like to be that kind of a man that among all the people, God looks at the heart and God looks at the dedication and God looks at, at everything within his fibers and he sees something and he comes and puts his hand on him. I'd like to be one of those, wouldn't you? And not only for the men, you sisters. We'll talk more about you all later, okay? But consider, I'd like to be one of those men that God looks and he sees something in that heart. He sees the dedication. He sees just everything he's made of. And he sees, that is the kind of man that I can use. And he comes and he puts his hand on him. And he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. That's quite something. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 6, it says, This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord, of his Lord upon him. You know, this idea of God being with us. It's not just for special men. I like to just tell you young men and young sisters that the hand of God can be upon you. I like to tell you it's not just for special men. I want to give you a little story. Some time ago, Now, there's some of us received a phone call. And there was a man, they said, this man who had just become a Christian, he was in the hospital up in Akron, which is an hour from our place. <clears throat> and they said, he's in horrible shape. You need to come and pray for him right now. Come. Come. So there was a couple of us, I don't remember how many of us, got into a car and we drove to Akron. And we walked into that hospital. It was late at night. And we came to this brother's bedside and there he lay and I couldn't believe my eyes. I had prayed with this man when he found God. And here he lay in the bed, and his head was all swollen. His wife was there. This is what they said. They said, they don't know what's wrong with the man. He's in very serious shape. It appears like he has something wrong, and they will need to do exploratory surgery in the hospital or there in the hospital the next day to just try to figure out what was going on. He, uh, his, his head was all swollen. His body was swollen. He, uh, there's something majorly wrong. <clears throat> us men, us brothers, we got her on, on our knees beside that bedside and we laid our hands on his head, and we prayed to God Almighty. And we begged God that God would come and bring healing to this man. We didn't know what was wrong, but we asked God 
that he would bring complete healing, that the next day he could get up and, and walk home again, and it, it could be a testimony for all the people that know him. And we prayed, all, I think it was four of us, we prayed and we begged God. And the hand of God was upon us. And that night we went home. And the next evening we received a phone call. He had left the hospital and everything was fine. I'd like to be one of those men that has the hand of God upon me, right? Right? Now, it doesn't have to be big stories like that, okay? But I like to be one of those, like Ezra, that, that, that when God looks, the hand of God is upon him. <clears throat> now... Light for us to just consider Ezra. <clears throat> what he was doing to preserve himself, to preserve the people. What was he doing? What were the things that, were do that he was doing that made him this man? In Ezra chapter 7, I like to read verse 10. And this gives us a little bit of, of clue what, what was really going on <clears throat> in this man, Ezra. It says, in, and I'm just going to break in in verse 10. <clears throat> verse 10, it says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Now consider that. <laughs> Young men, you want a challenge? Here you go. Young sisters, <laughs> there's a lot that, <clears throat> that falls right into your laps with all this. Okay. Ezra is one of those men that it says that he prepared his heart to seek the Lord. Now consider with me what do you think he really did? What do you think he really did? And I'm sure we could have all kinds of answers here. And, and Scripture doesn't tell us what he was really doing in preparing his heart. But somehow, in the middle of all this, I'm sure that he must have been coming to God and opening his heart and praying for Israel and praying uh, for what was going to be happening over, over in the restoration there in, in Jerusalem. I'm sure he was praying about that. And I'm sure he was praying about himself. And he was reading the law of God and he was trying to look, well, what do I need to do? How does God want me to walk? And he was changing his life to be like the law, right? I'm sure he was. Though so he was specifically giving himself. And so young men, I want the hand of God on me. And it, you know, according to what Ezra did here, he was one of those men that just simply, he opened the Bible. Well, how can I change my life to be more like it says here. God, what do you want me to do? You know, what changes do I need to make? And, and if it said it, he just did it. And not only that, among his people, there was many, many, many that were still living in idolatry, still worshiping idols, still worshiping other gods. Still worshiping all kinds of things, the ways of the Babylonians. Most of them were doing that. And Ezra, with purpose, just decided, well, I'm, God's word is true, so I'm going to give myself to obedience, myself to understanding God and his word and how he wants me to function and what he wants me to do, and just practically do that. So he did that. <clears throat> it says that he prepared his heart to seek the Lord. And then it says, and to do it. <clears throat> it 
It's easy to read the Bible. It's easy to read the Bible and then, well, yeah, well, I'm doing that or I'm, you know, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, for you sisters, you know, you know, Scripture says, you know, we should cover our, our heads. We should cover ourselves and, and, and I appreciate you have nice veils on your heads. But, you know, there, there are some sisters who try to adorn themselves when Scripture says we shouldn't. And there's some sisters who use their veils to do that. There's some sisters who, who really use their hair and really make themselves look pretty, even when you're pretty without that. Uh, okay? But I don't, think, I don't think Ezra would have been that kind of, of person. Ezra was a kind of man who just simply said, well, if the Bible says that, I, I want to do that. If Scripture says that, well, how, how, what's the best way for me to do it? Even when everyone else uh, is, is doing it in some ungodly way, I want to I do it the way God wants me to do it. That's the heart that was coming out, okay? I want God's hand on me like he had for Ezra, okay? And God's hand comes down on men and down on women when there's just an honest heart of obedience, an honest heart of just I want to do your will, God. You just tell me what to do, and I'll be the one that's, you know, that'll do that. <clears throat> it says, Ezra prepared his heart to seek the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Not only was he doing it for himself, he was actively open to others, and he was sharing with others the way that God would have us to live. <laughs> And he would go to others and, and say, hey, this is what God wants us to be doing. And I'm, I'm sure that it wasn't one day Ezra woke up and God said, okay, I want you to go over there and teach. He was actively doing those things on a regular basis with, with the people around him. And then God looked at him and said, yeah, I can, I can use a man like that. I'm going to come and put my hand on him. <laughs> That's the kind of man Ezra was. Ezra was a man of influence. Ezra was a man who people looked up to. And they could see, you know, that brother, that brother there, he's a godly man. He's a godly man. And there's no question, there's, he was totally above reproach. And, and the hand of God was upon him. And people looked at him and they recognized him. And Ezra be naturally became an influential man because of his love for God. People naturally looked to him because he was one of those men that went all out for God. <clears throat> now here's another thing that happened. They came over, <clears throat> Ezra, it's a long story and I could go into a lot of details and I won't. <clears throat> but uh, the king, the king gave Ezra people. And Ezra took a group of people over to Jerusalem. And when Ezra came to Jerusalem, it was in very, very bad disarray. The priests were living in idolatry. The Levites were marrying women from other nations. <clears throat> There was children growing up that couldn't even speak Hebrew. There was children growing up and, and they would worship the other gods, you know, of the other nations around them. And there was all these mixed marriages right in their midst. Mixed marriage. Can you just imagine? You know how it is with, with all, the, all the divorce and remarriage that we have these days. Uh, well, this was not divorce and remarriage. They were getting married to... The, the heathen neighbors who worshipped all kinds of heathen idolatry, and then their children, the priests and the Levites' children, would grow up and they would be worshipping all this idolatry. <clears throat> and Ezra came in, uh, in there, he helped them build the temple. The temple was built, and, and there was all kinds of, 
of rejoicing. You know, actually when they had built the floor, uh, the first floor on the, on the temple, uh, some of the older people, when they saw the temple being re uh, rebuilt, they remembered <laughs> the old temple. And what they were going to build now was nothing compared to what they had earlier. But there was shouts of joy, and actually they shouted so loud that the neighbors far away heard this great shout that was going on. And so Ezra helped them rebuild the temple, and they, and they started their daily sacrifices. And then some of the priests, some of the priests came to Ezra, and they said, Ezra, did you know? Ezra, did you know that some of these priests and Levites that help right here in this, these daily sacrifices, did you know that they have wives and children, and they're serving other gods from their neighbors? And guess what Ezra did? Ezra, <clears throat> Ezra was astonished. And it says that Ezra went and he tore out all his hair from his head and all his beard hair. He tore them all out. Imagine that. Such grief. He tore out, I don't have a whole lot on, on top of my head, but he tore them all out. And he tore out his beard hair. And he put on sackcloth. And he sat there half a day. And he mourned. And then in, and in the evening sacrifice, he kneeled down and he put his hands out and he started crying to God. Now, just think about this scene. <clears throat> Here's priests and Levites who are doing the daily sacrifices, and they're in all kinds of sin. And they have wives, and they have children. You know how it is. I mean, there's relationships. There's wives. There's children. There's all these, all these personal things. But it's sin. And Ezra... He puts his hand out before God and he starts crying out. And it says that those who were faithful, those priests and Levites who were faithful, they gathered around him and they prayed and they prayed. <clears throat> and after they were done, they got up. They got up and they told the people, they told these men, you're going to need to put your wives and your children away. You're going to need to put them away. <clears throat> if we're going to serve God, and you're going to serve in the temple, you're going to need to put your wives and your children away. Who's, who's willing to do that? And Ezra was the one who was leading in this whole thing. And the hand of God was upon him. And he was asking men, Who's willing to follow God? Who's willing? Who's willing to follow God? It was Ezra. Who else was going to do that? <laughs> Who else was going to bring Israel out of this whole you know, big old mess? That's why, that's why they went out to, that's why they went into captivity because of this whole type of thing. And yeah, God was bringing them back, but they needed to change. So it was Ezra, Ezra, who led the people. And one after one, they stood up and said, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. And I don't know how that went. You can just imagine the crying of the children and the crying of the wives and all the all the things that were going on when one after the other men stood up and made a decision to follow God and follow the law. But Ezra is the one who was willing to lead them into the way of righteousness. <clears throat> I want to just read a couple verses here in Ezra 9, verse 1 through 6. It says... Now when these things were done, the princess came to me saying, the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the land. 
They've done according to their abominations. Even if the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites and the Ammonites and the Moabites, Egyptians, the Amorites, for they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of these lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and the rulers have been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle, and I plucked off the hair off my head and off my beard and sat astonished. Then were assembled unto them everyone that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness and having rent my garments and my mantle, I fell upon my face and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, O my God, I am ashamed and blush to even lift my face to thee. This is Ezra. My God, for our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespass is grown up into the heavens. And if you keep on reading, it says that the people, as they prayed, the people started crying. The people started crying for their sins. Wow, that's quite the description. But Ezra led them into all this. Here's another one. Ezra is the one in Nehemiah in chapter 8 verse 3 to 4 it talks about Ezra it says this is after the people had put their wives away and he gathered all the people together and he said okay I want all the people all the people I want everyone to gather together and he brought them all in and they all gathered in this huge street there in Jerusalem they all gathered there and Ezra it says that he stood up on a pulpit of wood. And I don't, you know, this is a pulpit, but I'm, I'm not standing on it. But he stood on a pulpit of wood and he read the law from morning till noon. He read the law to them. And while he was reading the law, he had men out, out in the middle that were teaching them what the law meant. And they did this for seven days. Wow. That's quite the man, right? Uh, he had quite the persistence. <clears throat> well, he, he taught him. He taught him how to live godly lives. He taught him the, the sins about the sins that took their fathers over to Babylon. And he taught them the way of righteousness and how to live. And then they send him home. <clears throat> Many, many things. I'd like for us to just consider that today, <clears throat> this is Monday, and it's the month of March in 2017. <clears throat> and there's about 140 students here. And we don't know what all your future holds. We don't. But I would like to just tell you that in your days, unless the Lord returns, the Lord, you know, we don't know when he's going to return. But if the Lord tarries among you men and you sisters, All of you, you're in the churches you attend. You're going to find a lot of turbulence in the next 50 years. And I'd like to just tell you that there will be some in your churches that will move and shift from the things that you understand today, that you're embracing today as a word of God. Isn't that right, young man? 
Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, he, he got it. Uh, uh, there, there's going to be a shift. There's going to be a shift. And there's going to be people, brothers, who maybe you're close to, that are going to be shifting in their convictions. They're going to be shifting and moving away from the things that is true godliness. You follow what I'm saying? There's going to be a shift toward ungodliness. In the middle of all that, <clears throat> there might also be some who very staunchly hold to maybe things that are good, but actually dry out spiritually. Okay? And those things will happen in your generation because they're happening right now for us. Okay? Uh, do you remember what I said? The past is prologue. Just, just look back a little bit. Those things, these things have been happening uh, throughout history. Okay? <clears throat> and they will happen in your generation. They'll continue to happen. And the question that I have for you is how many of you, I wonder, how many of you are serious about God to the place that you will be one of those like Ezra who stand up and say, I am serving God. I, <clears throat> I am putting things aside, whatever I need to, to serve God, and I want the hand of God to be upon me. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to have the hand of God upon me. I'm wondering, in this group of about 140 youth here, how many are that serious about God that, that if God would look, well, God is looking. Uh, you know, it's not if God would look, it's God is looking. Okay? God is looking, and what does he see? In our generation, in my generation, I have been shocked. I have been shocked. I, I grew up. I grew up and I went to a school. I wasn't homeschooled. We homeschool our children, but I wasn't homeschooled. And I, and I went to school with a whole bunch of children. And the boys... There's a bunch of boys that were my age. And today, if I look back, and they were all from conservative backgrounds. Today, if I go back, today, if I go back, there's not one of those boys that's serving God. And I've asked myself, what is it that helped me serve God? I've asked that question. There's one that died about five years ago because of drug overdosage. There's about three more. Uh, one of them is known to be gay. There's two more that uh, they just live a loose life, don't go to church. There's one that is a part of a very conservative type of setting, and he professes to be a Christian, although I don't sense any kind of spiritual life coming from him. And I stand here and I say, why? Why is it that I have the privilege of loving God and what happened to all those boys that I grew up with? I ask that question. <clears throat> I like to just tell you, youth, that I feel like one of the, the big things that is plaguing our churches today <clears throat> is... <clears throat> in the area of what technology is doing to us. Uh, and that goes in many different areas here. 
I have a smartphone. <clears throat> I know many of you do too. There's social media. It's on and on and on. There are some of those things, there are some of those things that can be used in a right way. There are some of those things we're better off getting rid of. <clears throat> okay? But I'd like to just tell you that all the technology comes from the, from the binge of that it saves me time, right? We can communicate from our phone. We can talk with people. You know, when I was growing up, we, uh, I didn't have a cell phone until after we were married. I, I, I got my first cell phone. Um, but let me just tell you something. All these things are, are getting us to, to actually be in bondage. I don't know if you can grasp that. Um, it will take self-discipline on every one of your parts. You know, we can say no to this, and we can say no to that, and we can say no to a lot of things, and, and we have to do that. Some things we say no to, other things we use self-discipline. But, but let me just tell you, youth, <clears throat> the whole realm of technology is literally bringing us to where we don't have time. And, and let me just explain, okay? You know, I'm a preacher, and I receive lots of phone calls. People call, they want help for this, and they want help for that, and they want advice for this and all that. And, you know, and that's great. I want people to do that. But it's the same thing with work. And it's the same thing with ladies being connected with other sisters and men being connected with each other and, and, and on and on. And what happens is it crowds out the important things in life. And I wonder what our brother Ezra would be saying about some of these things. What is crowding out? What he would say is crowding out for him if Ezra were here today. I'd like to suggest that men, brothers and sisters, you and I are going to need to discipline ourselves to where we walk with God and we take time with God. Many of us, we have jobs, young men, right? And you had to, had to work hard to, you know, be able to take off and come and all that. And, you know, I look over here, there's more sisters over here because they, I don't know if they have more time, but maybe they're more flexible. Uh, but... Uh, I, uh, the other night, <clears throat> the other night, I'm not sure which night it was, after I was out here, I was on the phone with my wife. And I called her. And we were having a nice time. And I wept over the phone. I cried and she cried. And I said, honey, I... You know, is there things that we need to change in our lives? Yeah, I, I have my walk with the Lord and all that, but I, I wonder about the time that I spend with her, and I wonder about the time that I spend with the children, whether that's sufficient. I have time for all these other things, ministry, but I wonder about her and the children. That's just an honest confession. Brothers, we tend to sit around, play with our phones. We tend to, all these things that happen, let me just tell you, those things in our generation, those things are going to crowd out things 
that I'm afraid are going to be detrimental to us personally and the church. And it's not as easy as to just say, no, you can't have a phone, or no, you can't have a smartphone. Maybe, I'm not against that, but it goes way beyond that. I like to just tell you that we, it's when we become lukewarm in our own hearts before God that some of these other things start creeping in. And it's time for me to close. <clears throat> and I like to just, just tell you, brothers and sisters, that it will take the grace of God, it will take the grace of God for us to discipline ourselves <clears throat> and do what God wants me to do here today and crowd out the other things. Because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm not just saying technology. I'm saying time as a whole. We have all these time-saving devices. We've got microwaves. We have instant this and instant that. We can jump into our cars and we can get so much more done. But all these things are actually crowding us that we're busier than we have ever been before. Okay? I'm saying that is a trap from Satan to derail us so we become lukewarm and we lose our way. Okay? And you brothers and sisters, you talk it over with your leaders and your parents at home and they can help you, help give you guidance with those things. But I like to just tell you, <clears throat> we need men and women like Ezra who have the hand of God on them, who have sought, who have opened themselves, they prepared their hearts before God, and the hand of God came down upon them, and they're serious about God, and who are willing to say, I'm willing to make changes in my life. Brothers and sisters, you might have to go home and you might need to make some changes in your life. <clears throat> you might. If you want to be serious about God, prepare your heart before God. Be an Ezra. Be one of those that is willing to make personal changes in order to be faithful. May the Lord help us all.